Welcome to the Why Did I Get Cancer podcast. I'm Deborah Herlax Enos, a small town girl turned TV nutritionist and healthy living expert. I design health programs for the average guy or gal, including those average guys named Metallica. On September 1st, 2020, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I asked every oncologist the same question, why did I get cancer? But none of my doctors had good answers for me. I wanted answers and that's why I started this podcast. I wanna help you to lower your cancer risk and provide self-care tips for those in the battle. I'm getting answers and I wanna share them with you. Today's takeaway was actually really simple. When Dr. Cloud told me that, and I quote, putting crap in your heart all the time will make you sick. And then he suggested, take a look at the relationships around you. And if there are relationships that you're involved in that are disrespectful and not honorable, you really need to take a look at those and don't wait until you get diagnosed with some disease like cancer or any other type of disease to really start to make changes in your relationship. Make sure you give today's episode a listen. I know you will be blessed by it. Again, speaking for myself, when I didn't have good boundaries, um, God gave me this word this morning to describe myself. I was a counterfeit version of myself. I just, I wasn't real. I wasn't living in my real identity. Right, because your real self is sitting back here hiding, saying, I don't want to do that. But you send the counterfeit agent out there to appease everybody and all that. And that's when we become split. Mm-hmm. And so there's, you know, one of the oldest tenets in psychology is the true self and the false self. And the greater and greater uh, health that we're moving towards, and we're all on some pathway to get there, is when those two get aligned. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, there's, I, I tell a lot of people, you know, when some people, say everything they think. That doesn't mean that just because your real self is saying it, it's smart to say it, right? I go, you, that should have been your inside voice. <laughs> no, don't say that. That's great. I like that. <laughs> so you can still live an authentic life and and not fake it, not flatter people. Right. Because it's going to sink right. out. Right? I, I, I remember <laughs> there was this horribly passive-aggressive woman one time. She just couldn't say anything that wasn't biting, you know, because she never had dealt with all of her resentment that she carries around. And and she's always envious of other women. And I, I remember she says, this this woman walks in and, and, she, and she goes, oh, that is a beautiful dress. Didn't they have it in your size? I mean, it's going to come <gasps> out. These little barbs, right? It's gonna, oh, man. Little barbs. Little barbs. I mean, how many times you walk away from an interaction, you go, I know there was a compliment in there somewhere. <laughs> why, why did I just get complimented and I feel slimed <laughs> or something? Yeah, a little passive aggressive there, I guess. So the health thing is, is huge in boundaries. Because we're, we're, we're spiritual, we're mental, we're soulish. And all of that runs on this hardware we call a body. So we got the software and you got the circuitry. You know, it's like your computer. Your computer is the hardware. And software drives all of that and they interact with each other. And and we just can't live and not affect our bodies. And speaking. And it'll talk. That's exactly right. 
And our body's always listening. I was working with a woman the other day, and she has no boundaries. And she keeps overextending herself. And um, she was saying, I'm so tired. And I said, just because you can't say no doesn't mean your body can't. Oh, isn't that the truth? And if you don't start saying it, your body's going to say it even louder. You're going to break down. And it always attacks the weakest organ. I mean, we know that. That's why people say, you know, you can't draw a direct line to each ailment. For some people, you know, it might be the cardiovascular system that's stress effects. For other people, you know, it can be the stomach and the gastro system. For other people, it can be sleep cycles. I mean, it, but we all genetically and life experience makes different organ systems weaker than others. And, you know, it's like a stress fracture in a house or something. If, you know, if you live in a snowy area and it starts to, you know, the house is going to crack in the place that it's weakest. And we all have different organ systems that are weaker than others. And some people get this illness and some people get a different one, but they're all affected by by stress. And the, the term psychogenic, meaning that something starts in the psyche, it doesn't mean the psychosomatic, well, you're, it's all in your head. No, you really are sick. <laughs> but the genesis of that could be stress. And it broke your body down. Your body really has broken down. But it could be relational or psychological dynamics of ongoing stress that cause. Well, I see that a lot. I'm a, I'm a certified nutritionist and um, have been in this health field for 30 years. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> what are you drinking in that mug? Um, I'm drinking coffee, which, you know. I'm lo- I love coffee. Now, I put a little collagen in my coffee for a little protein hit in the morning. And that, I've been doing that for years and that, Try try a pork chop. That's a protein <laughs> in the morning. That's a good point. Maybe I could do both. <laughs> really turn my brain on first thing. But women in my career that I worked with, they were usually so sick. And it's because they couldn't say no. And so they just kept going and going and going. You know, it, it's sort of like the organ system. People have, yeah. it, it's so fascinating to me over the years that there are, there are only really a handful of psychological issues, even though there's, you know, the diagnostic manual is there's gazillions of different diagnoses, of, but there's only a few issues really that cause all of those. And for some people, it's depression. It shows up in depression. For other people, it shows up in anxiety disorders. For some people, it shows up in addictions. For some people, it shows up in obsessive ruminations, you know, which is an anxiety disorder or other things. But we get them all, you know, you get them all in a group together and you're going to work on a handful of issues. You're going to work on how connected or isolated you are emotionally in your relationships or not. You're going to work on your boundaries and how free and autonomous you feel and how much interpersonal power you have or or excuse me, are you somebody that's perpetually controlled by the outside, which we're not designed to be controlled by? Thirdly, how do we process the imperfections of life? 
Are we processing trauma and pain and loss in the way that we're designed to process them? Or are we denying them and not getting the trash out? You know, you would not let you have a plumbing system in your house to take the waste out. Or it's going to clog up and then your house is going to start to get infected or you take the trash out. Well, the human body has a plumbing system to take the trash out. You're supposed to cry it out of your eyes in grief when you lose something. You're supposed to express it out in the anger and all of that, you know, getting in touch with the feelings and processing all of this. And when we look at, or, or even, you know, forgiveness is taking the trash out. You're getting this crap out of you that is still there from something somebody did to you, and we're getting it out. And so if people aren't, if the plumbing systems and the air conditioning systems, which are the emotional regulation, if we don't have the ability internally to calm down when it's too hot, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm revving up here, we have to have internal regulatory systems. Or when it's too cold, I'm depressed and I don't have enough energy. You've got to look at how, how living in an imperfect world affects you. So there's grief and loss and abuse, but there's also, there's also internal perfectionistic judgment and critical self beating you up for being imperfect. And they're the same, same to the emotional system. And then, you know, the fourth issue is really, are you finding your talents and abilities and being able to express those in meaningful ways and, um, or does fear of failure keep you stuck? And you start to work on these basic issues and it doesn't matter in a sense. Now, there's specialty for certain things we have to do with each disorder. I'm not decrying that, but you're not going to find somebody depressed or anxious or with an eating disorder or whatever that doesn't have to look at the four basic issues that cause these isolation, loss of autonomy, processing pain and imperfection, and finding your adulthood mm. and being equal with other people and living out your, your talents. That's going to be true in every disorder. So I've, I've heard it said, kind of dovetailing off of that, that you can't heal in the same environment that made you sick. So where does somebody start? Uh, let's go back to the idea of a closed system, for example, because here's the danger in that statement. The danger in that statement means that I am a 100% powerless to thrive unless I'm in a perfect environment. That's the flip side of that statement. But it is, it's an algorithm. It's a, it's a complex relationship, okay? So let's take the physical analogy. If I go into, I've got a friend who's got young kids, and, and you know, they come home from, he said, I caught everything. You know, kids are always sick, and parents stay in, this, stay in this perpetual cycle until they don't. I mean, a pediatrician doesn't get sick all the time. They did in residency until they caught all those bugs, <laughs> or if they didn't have good nutrition and their immune system wasn't functioning. So there are some people, and A, maybe the environment is so toxic, you can't, there's, nobody could be well there. Or maybe their immune system 
is so weak that we have to move. We, we move people to ICU because they can't get well on the floor where there's exposure to anything. They're too hurt. They're too abused. They're, they're too whatever. And so you do have to, you know, that's why, you know, I built a chain of psychiatric hospital units and treatment centers where we would take people out of their environment for 30 days and, and they would, and then they could get strong enough to where their immune functioning, they could go back into that environment. Now, what's the environment though? You know, are we talking about normal germ loads in life that we want everybody to be able to be strong enough to want to be able to go to school and go to work? There's a lot of crap out there I could catch, but my immune system's fighting off, right? Versus Chernobyl? <laughs> I mean, if, if there's a lot of people that are too young, it doesn't. Probably. <laughs> Nuclear meltdown. Yes. <laughs> you know, if you, there are there are some toxic situations that are so bad that anybody would get sick. So it's a relationship. Or yes, there are some environments that, and I've you know I've treated people where um, adults who are working for the first time were working through a mm-hmm. deep depression, and any getting around their family of origin would trigger a three month dive to hell. You just can't go back there. You're not going home for Thanksgiving. You're not going home for Christmas. You're not going to talk to the people that abused you. You're not strong enough. So they have to get out of that environment. Mm. Yes, that's true. And you can't heal there for sure. That's why I said that statement is true. You got to go into another environment to get healed because, I mean, even if I'm in my house and I got sick here, Mm. There's no internist here. I got to go to another environment to get healed because what I need to get healed isn't present in this house. So is it too abusive and too toxic for virtually anybody to thrive in? Or can I go get stronger? And then I can actually come back in some environments Mm -hmm. and I can become the change agent. And we see that all the time. So it's not black or white, but yes, you have to get out of it because the resources and the, the medicine's not there. So, yeah, you got to go to therapy. You got to get out of the house. Can you go back to the exactly. house? Well, it depends on are there monsters in there or just mm-hmm. kind of wackos that you're going to be strong enough to deal with. Does that, that make yeah. sense? It does. It does. And, I, it, you know, it's going to be so different for each person. Right. And what you said is true. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, you're not in an environment that's making you well. So you got to go somewhere to get well. Got to go somewhere. Does that mean that you have to never talk to these people again? No, it doesn't. Right. But I think there is a lot to be said to, um, you know, when you get diagnosed with cancer or any other chronic disease, that it's probably time to take a look at, at some of your relationships and are some of them toxic? And certainly, and that's not a but. I hope I hope there wasn't anything that I said. Oh no, that, no, I no. No, you should go back and get abused. I don't mean that at all. So there's oh no, some I wasn't meaning that. Mm-hmm. Some people you really want to stay away from. Um, but you always there's always going to be like you're saying. We have to look at our relationships because mm-hmm. it's like it's like nutrition. Okay. Relationships are the food for the soul. Mm, I like that. Mm-hmm. That's how we're. That's how we're designed. We're designed 
to give and receive love, and that's what keeps us healthy. Your heart has four pipes, right? Two go in and two go out, and you can have clogged arteries on either way. You know, either you're not getting enough love brought in or you're not loving anybody. It's not going out, and we have to have, that's why we have mirror neurons. It's a dance between a mother and an infant, and what the infant does triggers, you know, oxytocin in the mother and that triggers it back in the kid and it is a dance and so our relationships are the nutrition of life and if you're putting crap in your heart all the time it's like eating junk food and you will Mm -hmm. get sick you will Mm -hmm. period yeah so yeah we got to look at our relationships I had a guest on last week, Dr. Cloud, and she was talking about a study. I'm not sure where it was performed, but they dripped oxytocin into a Petri dish that held breast cancer cells and the breast cancer cells died. Could you send me that? I will. I will get it from her. I'll send it to you. I mean, that's amazing that, okay, we could be surrounded by healthy people that bring us great joy and that can kill cancer. That's a miracle of, of God making, you know, that's well, his design. And if you think about it, the very nature of cancer, as I understand it, and some oncologists can call me and say, that's not exactly right. And I'd appreciate that. But a cancer cell is a cell that disconnects from living cells and then starts to produce life on its own. That's the metaphor Oxytocin is the bonding chemical, the bonding chemical. And so that makes perfect sense to a non-oncologist why, but a psychologist of why, why that would be true. And, it, and nobody has a preponderance of that, like, uh, you know, a nursing mother. It's, it's interesting. Um, I... Uh, and this is interesting also. There was, you know, I travel a lot and have for a long time. And and I used to get a lot of colds. And, you know, do book signings and I'm probably, you know, and shaking hands with everybody and then, you know, wiping my eyes and getting sick. But I, yeah, all the things we're not yeah, supposed to do, right? On airplanes <laughs> all the time. And, and, of course, yeah. And, and, and I was talking about this the other day. I wish I had a control group to know which one it was. But right about the same time, um, this would be about 20 years ago, um, I was having some, we were on a trip, I was having some pain, and my wife talked me into, we were at this resort, and she taught me, and she said, you got to go get a deep tissue massage. And I go, I'd rather go play golf than a stupid massage. And so she talks me into it. And I found out I got all this. And the therapist starts telling me, you know, we're, your body's holding all this stress, right? And and so, and I actually felt better. So I went the next week and I went there. And then I started saying, I'm going to move better. And I, I started doing that, you know, weekly. Okay? And then I see this research. Well, before I say that, and kind of the same, this is why I needed a control group. I also started becoming a hand washer after I would you know, be at a book signing and meet a lot of people. But after a long time of getting sick, a lot throughout the year and traveling, I stopped getting sick. 
And in part, the mind, body, all of that, in part, what the research shows about what massage therapy can do that's done well, it, it increases the immune system. And you, you're working the stress out of your body. But also, I think I had probably been exposed to every single cold that exists by that time. At that point, yeah. 150,000 miles a year. <laughs> but I stopped getting sick. And mm. it's, that's why, you know, you're a nutritionist. It's the whole being that has to get well. It's what we're putting into our body mm-hmm. chemically through food. It's what we're putting into our body relationally through our connections to people. And it's also what we are generating in our body through our own activities, whether that's codependency or not moving the body or holding on to resentments and all of that. If, um, if you can talk for a second, I've got a new book coming out um, called Trust. It's on, on the mm-hmm. dynamics of trust. And, and in that book, one section is on repairing broken trust. Like if in a marriage, somebody's, mm. there's a betrayal or in business or something. And I, I'm, I'm talking about the process of how that happens. And I'm saying you're never going to really repair broken trust if you can't forgive and go into the repair process with somewhat of a clean slate. You can't, you're not going to repair something if you're still punishing somebody for 20 years, right? We're not going to get to a new place. But you have to go through an appropriate period, blaming and expressing all of that. And then they've got to own it. There's a lot of factors that go into this. But but when I was writing the book, and I'm going to find it here for us, if we can be that casual. Um, But I, uh, where is it? I was doing the the section on repairing trust and I did a lot of research. I, it had been years since I had, had really uh, dived into the science of forgiveness. And I started researching it, you know, the neuroscience of it, the, the biochemistry of it and all of that. And I, I literally found compilations of the physical health that happens when people forgive. And I'm, I'm, I'm okay, here, here it is. This is overwhelming scientific research on forgiveness, all right? And, I, and my publisher made me stop listing things because she said, you, just, you got too much here. All right, ready? Mental health. Forgiveness decreases obsessive rumination. Number three, reduces and eliminates the painful and damaging emotions, such as resentment, bitterness, hatred, hostility, residual toxic anger that spills out in other ways, Mm. revenge wishes and motivation. All right, now watch this. Now we're going to shift out of the head to the body. Depression, anxiety, addictions, PTSD, chronic stress, mortality rates, how soon you die, lowers blood pressure, lowers cholesterol, resolves Hmm. ongoing relationship struggles and chronic interpersonal disturbances, increases immune system functioning, 
decreases heart disease, increases agreeableness and lowers neuroticism, which is a personality dynamic, breaks the link between stress and poor mental health. There's a lot of people wow. that have high stress in their lives. If, it doesn't mean that you're going to get depressed or anxious. I mean, think right. of trauma surgery, right? The, but it breaks the link between them. It's kind of the bridge that hooks stress into wow. sick. Pain reduction, physical pain thresholds, mm. and obviously increases our ability to judge people accurately. So we're not seeing every new person through the eyes of the old one that hurts. Through that old Just lens, a yeah. Short list of the health benefits from forgiveness. Forgiveness. Yeah. And ultimately, forgiveness is a boundary problem. Mm-hmm. Because when we are holding on to something, revenge motives or anger or whatever, you are psychologically not free from the abuser. You're linked the, to that. Abuser. You're linked. It's a, it's a tie. It's like a soul tie. Right. Yeah. right. So when you take ownership, which is a boundary thing, and responsibility mm-hmm. for you abused me, and I'm not going to allow that to happen anymore, and I'm not going to walk around with replaying that abuse every day by my anger at you because now we're back in the relationship. And that can go on for 50 years. And that other person you haven't forgiven, yeah, they don't even know that, that this problem is happening with you. The best revenge yeah. is to live a good life. It really is. It really is. And you can't live a good life if you're holding on to anger and resentment. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all boundaries as well. So, but that's the, uh, um, the book's called Trust. People, I don't know when this will air, but it comes out next month. You can pre order it. Now. Yeah, I saw so, that on your website. Um, and you can actually get a, a free chapter, I think, if you pre order. I did oh, that cool. the other day. So, <laughs> so um, the subtitle is When to Give It, and this gets into boundaries as well Trust. When to give it, when to withhold it. Shouldn't trust everybody or in every way. How we earn it and how to fix it when it gets broken. And it so much affects our physical health, which I know is your... So much affects our physical health. And if you don't have that trust in your spouse or best friend or even your employer... Everything. It's going to impact every aspect of your health. And all the way to, you know, the book shows the research on everything. High trust, what it does in companies and performance in teams, what it does in in athletic performance, school performance, family performance, mental health, economies, all of it. It drives Mm -hmm. everything. Trust is the fuel of life. You know, if if, if the baby can't trust, it's not going to go to the breast, right? Or the bottle. Trust and you can't take in life. anything. And people, mm-hmm. their trust muscles have been broken. Right. And that literally shuts them off from the very things that they need from the outside world. Or their boundaries are broken and they're trusting idiots. And getting poison put into them all the time. So it goes both ways. So not being able to trust, it really impacts your thriving. In fact, failure to thrive syndrome in infants and even geriatrics and everybody in between, failure to thrive syndrome 
is because the trust and the connection is broken either from the unavailability of love or the inability to trust. So impacts connect. every aspect of our health. All of it. I was, I was yeah. on a, uh, oh. I was on an airplane, and guys sitting next to me. So, what are you working on? I said, Well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing some research on trust. He said, Well, I don't trust anybody. I said, Really? He said, Yeah, I don't. I don't. You can't trust anybody but yourself. I, I just don't. I don't trust anybody. And I said, um, So you're crazy. He, he says, I said, I'm a psychologist and I, I'm giving you a professional opinion. You're psychotic. I said, what are you talking about? Well, what's the definition of psychotic? You know, somebody's out of touch with reality. I said, exactly. You said, you don't, you don't trust anybody. You're out of touch with reality. He goes, what do you mean? I said, look out the window. We're at 40,000 feet. Did you get up here by yourself? Don't tell me you don't trust anybody. You're trusting the pilot up there you've never met. You're trusting the guy who filled up the plane and didn't put hot chocolate in it. And put you, how do you know what you just ate? So how do you know there's not E. coli? You trust the FDA to don't yeah. tell me you don't trust him. Checked all the nuts and bolts. But I bet if I hear your story, what you're really saying is you don't trust people in emotionally vulnerable or other ways that you're going to invest something, you know, that, could be lost. Mm-hmm. And I heard his story and you can see the pattern of broken relationships and all of that because his trust muscle was broken. We can't live without trust. I mean, you can't go outside. <laughs> you can't. But we got to trust wisely. That's the difference. Some people are too trusting. And some of them innocently. I mean, they grew up where everybody was so loving. They don't know there's bad people in the world until they go to school. Or do they start dating? That's where boundaries become so important. Right. And it's those boundaries I'm really seeing through this conversation. Boundaries really make us a healthy person. And it's not just mentally healthy. I'm, you know, we're also talking physical health and really understand that now. You know, it's 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 so simple in a way. Boundaries are basically a property line. They define where you end and someone else begins. Now, if you think of your house or your apartment, you have boundaries that define your house, right? Mm -hmm. But boundaries are not walls. They have openings in them, right? So you've got, certainly you've got walls around your house, but that's not an impermeable wall. You also, they go both ways. We can open the door. When do you open the door? When someone shows proper identification or they're delivering food or they're coming in to love on you and they're good people, what do you do? You unlock the boundary and you open up the boundary and you let the good in. But at night, you close it and lock it because you don't want the bad coming in. You don't want the burglars or the murderers or the serial killer that's floating around town or whatever that. And so boundaries are built to keep the bad stuff out. And we say no to abuse and control and all of that. But open up when we make a decision to let the good stuff in. And then we also mm-hmm. got to open it up to get the bad stuff out. You got to open up and process right. your pain. 
Right. So. Right. Get the junk out. It yep. affects everything. Everything. Oh, Dr. Henry Cloud. <laughs> I knew I was going to be buckling up my seatbelt for this conversation today, and it did not disappoint. Well, I'm glad it's helpful. It's uh, certainly an important issue. It's funny. Um, my first book was called Changes That Heal. And mm-hmm. It's really I read about it. the four big issues that cause all of our problems. And the second one was boundaries. You know, the first mm-hmm. one is our connectedness. And the second one is in our connections, do we maintain self-control and freedom? Or do your connections overpower you and control you? Right. And so um, John Townsend and I were doing a lot of s- seminars at that time on and we were speaking on on changes at heal. And so we had a planning day with a consultant and he says, so when y'all go out and speak, what are the, mo- what are most of the questions about from the audience? And we started laughing. We said, They're all about boundaries. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, and he says, well, why don't y'all write a book on boundaries? And I started laughing and I said, that's a great idea because if we wrote a book on boundaries, that would answer the questions and we wouldn't have to talk about this anymore. And we could move on to other stuff. <laughs> other topics. <laughs> Little did we know, we'd still be talking about it, you know, what, three decades later. Right. Because it's right. such a big issue. It wasn't like right. we were so, you know, smart or something. It's just such a big issue. But we don't get taught. Yeah. I mean, we get taught. We get taught by dysfunctional patterns, but we don't get taught right. a lot of times how to have. Patterns. Yeah, it's so true. Yes, and uh, you also have a, a phenomenal website, boundaries.me. Oh, yeah, if you go to boundaries.me, that's the URL. Look mm-hmm. up boundaries.me, and it'll come up. And that's a it's a lifelong dream that I had which is to try to make one place where, I mean, it's called boundaries, but really it is about all of life. And I have over a mm-hmm. hundred courses on there. Mm-hmm. Literally over a hundred short courses on everything from the clinical right. anxiety, depression, and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. to relationships, to dysfunctional relationships, to mm-hmm. how do you deal with a narcissist, to reaching goals, to, well, you, you, you said that you've seen it and interacted with it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've, uh, my husband and I did the trust workshop. I think it was maybe a year ago. I think a year ago you had that the trust workshop on there. And yeah, you've got great information. And it's it's in bite-sized pieces because it's it's uh, rich information. And I think you, you, you don't want to get overwhelmed. You want to take a bite, kind of process, take another bite and process. And you also do some great teaching videos on your social media, some little short, short bites. Yeah. Um, if somebody says, if you subscribe to boundaries.me, the other thing I do is I do a daily, very short video that comes to your right. inbox of one step each mm-hmm. day that you can take in all these areas to create health. We call it one thing. So every day there's Here's the one thing I want you to do today. Thing. Okay. One thing. Bite-sized pieces, baby <laughs> so steps. Go to Bounty Shop Me and become a member, and you get all that. 
Yep. And then I'll I'll have all the information in uh, in our show notes for this podcast too. So huge thank you, Dr. Cloud. I I've been learning from you for 25 years and I uh, I got even more content today. So thank you. Gladys Elfon, thanks for all your work. I know people get a lot of support, learning. Thank and you. All that. We're all, all on a journey and each person's playing their part. So together we'll figure this out. We'll figure it out. So thanks again. Okay. God bless. God bless you too. Thank you for joining me today on the Why Did I Get Cancer podcast. I've got my shopping guide for all of my cancer self-care items in the show notes, along with information about today's guest and our show sponsors. And don't forget to subscribe to my podcast so you never miss an episode. Keep in mind, I'm not a doctor. I'm just a gal that got diagnosed with cancer and wanted answers. If you need medical advice, please be sure to consult with a medical professional. And thank you for listening. 